on this episode of Game and Watch It. Rusty's not here, so we get to talk about other things outside of Nintendo. Yay! Will we though? Yeah, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Game & Watch It. I am your temporary host, Polly, and I'm joined here by... Arzy, hello. Hello, hello, hello. We have a special guest coming on on the latter half of the episode where we're going to be discussing free DLC and where it stands in the industry and where we think it may go. But first, Arzy, what yes. are you playing? Um, a lot of Pokemon Go, thanks to Rusty <laughs> dragging me back into that game. I only expect my obsession will probably last another couple weeks because I already sense myself getting fed up with that game again. Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. It's been intense. Every it, chance that I get, I am playing that game. It I've been just going requires for walks. so much time. And effort. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I mean, not everybody is into it for the long haul. And yeah. I get that, but I, the addiction is strong in me. Yeah, like, yeah. my God, I have been going heavy. The amount of experience I've gotten over the past little while, the amount of Pokemon I've gotten, it's been insane. Yeah, yeah I've been enjoying the newer gym system, whereas before I might be lucky if I get, like, five coins. <laughs> now, if I'm aggressive enough, I'm, I'm real, uh, like reliably able to get, like, my 50 coins a day and <laughs> buy, stu like, I'm going to start buying cosmetic shit just because I can. <laughs> just no, whatever. I mean, go just for why it. Why not? Just why not? But, like, it's it's right now, it's will I reach the point where the addiction is being offset by annoyance? The addiction <laughs> is at a plateau where it's just at this steady, very high level. But the annoyance is steadily rising as time goes on. So, essentially, this is a step above Pokemon Quest. Yes, Pokemon <laughs> Quest is dead to me. <laughs> and as it should be for everybody else. Yeah, really, though. Like, at least, like, at least, yeah, there's the offside benefit that gets me outside. Yeah. But mostly it gets me to walk, like, half a kilometer, not even, to my nearest park, and then sit yep. there for 20 minutes as I'm trying to grind down all the blissies <laughs> that all the 40th level spoofers in my neighborhood have planted. Uh, how do you get so into a game that you need to start cheating like that? It makes absolutely no sense to me. Who knows? Maybe these people were just lurking in the bushes. I just know I'd be sitting there. It's like a, a fairly empty field. Like there's a couple trees around. So maybe people are like lurking in the bushes and dropping berries on these things to stop the uh, <laughs> the gyms from getting taken. But no, I got you. I got you. It's you know what? I, the whole gym battling aspect is kind of uh, it, it's kind of been on the outside for myself. Yeah, I've never been the biggest fan of it. I always felt the battle system was. Almost too simplistic and oh, yeah. very boring. Mash, mash, mash. I'm very good at mashing my finger. <laughs> and if you can see right now that I'm basically like shaking it as if I'm having like a, <laughs> like a stroke or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Pokemon Go is Pokemon Go. As far as I've heard, actually, talking about that, uh, we're going to be getting fourth generation soon. There's a lot of rumors flying around. Do they actually data mine it, or is it they, just like an assumption? It's, it's, a, it's an educated guess, more of a like... Very sneaky announcement. They released a picture, and in the picture, Turtwig was there. Oh, okay. So we know it's coming. We just don't well, know yeah, how It's many. only a matter of time. We've already done three generations. Uh, have we seen all the Alolans now that we have, like, Alolan Raichu and Alolan Marowak showing up in raids? Is there any that are missing now? As far as I know, I think we got all of them. Okay. All the variants, at least. Like, yeah. Raichu's coming up pretty soon, so yeah. that should be... Oh, I've already seen Raichu in gyms. Like, Raichu's out. Really? Oh, yeah. Raichu's been out for, like, a week, I think. Damn. Okay. Well, I completely missed that. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Uh, you playing anything else? Uh, a little bit of I Am Setsuna when I've had the time. Like, we've yep. been spending so much time doing the RPGs, which maybe we should talk a little bit more. <gasps> 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 not Nintendo, not video game even. Um, and playing, yeah, I Am Setsuna. It's all right. It's all right. So, like, I don't quite understand a lot of the extra mechanics. Um, and it's more to the point just, like, I'm, I'm wondering, are these really important? Like, the fluxes? Like, oh, adding yeah. fluxes to your things? I'm just like, okay, like, I don't even know what this does. Do you want to turn it on? Sure. Whatever. <laughs> is it going to give me a competitive advantage? Then absolutely, I'd love to. And the answer is, I think so. <laughs> I don't really know what. <laughs> but it seems to give the impression that it's a good thing, so I will turn it on. Yeah, 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 yeah. As far as I remember about the fluxes... Actually, you know what? I can't remember at all. So there we go. That's that. Well, yeah. Mostly the game's just kind of like, it's been forgettable thus far. I think that's uh It's been the problem with every game coming out of that studio that it has like, it has so much potential coming out of the gate and then it's all but squandered. I think I just got to like bear down and plow through that game and yeah, I may miss some of the recipes, but honestly, like who gives a fuck? Yeah. Like. No, I got you, and you're a better man than me, because I stopped that game right at the point where you first get to the area that you're originally looking to get to. Oh, okay. Trying to avoid spoilers, but yeah. yeah. And there's this beautiful scene, this, just this amazing piece of scenery. The way they, they moved the camera into that area was glorious, and that's what I mean by, like, completely lost potential. This game had so much, and then at its core, it was boring, you know? Yeah. It's okay. It is what it is. But uh, is that all, all you've been playing? Yeah, really. Um, well, I mean, we uh, just played for the first time Delta Green yesterday, yes. the RP, a pen and paper RPG. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Delta Green is a Lovecraftian horror in the spirit of um, Call of Cthulhu or something like that, yep. but set of for more of a position of being government agents. So it's... Uh, kind of like playing X-Files, the closest thing to it, other than maybe like if you're playing like Monster of the Week or some of those other games. But yeah. a lot of fun. We played the beginner scenario yesterday, and uh, things got hairy, <laughs> as we expected them to. Yeah, especially for me, because I, I, I know our listeners probably don't know this, but I know you do. My dice luck is notoriously yeah. bad. Yeah, I definitely... Uh, bore the brunt of some of the attacks <laughs> though escape by the skin of my teeth and the bear mace in my pocket <laughs> yeah exactly and, and what i love about this game um i mean the only other tabletop game i've played is D D. fifth ed for the right? record oh yeah 5e for sure and this is so different i mean it's it's so much more real the uh the aspect of the sanity coming into play with yeah. literally almost anything that could happen it really makes everything feel real it could come down to even just a death happening in front of you and you have to make a sanity roll yeah. for that so they really really thought through all these aspects to make mm -hmm. this game not only feel real but feel fun and feel challenging yes and our, our dm is creepily watching us from, <laughs> from, from the, the stairwell our handlers. Oh, we've just been corrected. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I love the simplicity of the rules. Like it makes for a much faster game. Like it's ve it's very light on the crunch, at least in respective to uh, even fifth edition. Oh yeah. Um, whereas it's more in that rune question. Like all characters are more or less the same, but may have. Um, uh, different skill sets, so it's not like you ever have to know, oh, you know, like individual rules or open up a spell book or any of that kind of stuff. It's the percentage for pass or fail is on your character sheet. Oh yeah, and actually, we um, we have our friend Dots, our uh, handler, who yes. just sat in. Would you? Uh, we got to do an <laughs> impromptu mic check here. Would you mind saying hello? Hello, hi. Oh, perfect. We're right on the money. Okay, awesome. <laughs> 
So yeah, guys, welcome, uh, welcome back, Dots. This is what your second time on the podcast. Yeah, now? I think so. Yeah. So you decided to come yeah. out of the bed and join us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for my voice. We had a bit of a party last night oh, at yeah. karaoke, so got a bit of a one nine hundred voice today. It's a, it's okay. <laughs> this is this is my life too. I get it. It was uh, for the record my birthday party, kind of impromptu last night, and I ended up getting a bunch of sake bombs served to me <laughs> in yes. a huge. Well, I should say a very tiny barrel yes. thing. I, I guess it's, yeah, it's less of a large cup than a small barrel. Exactly. It was just, it was ridiculous. So either way, we were drinking and singing all night. Our voices are absolutely mad. Yeah, we're all hung over. And just to let you know, we are half-assing this. And we will do nothing <laughs> to prevent that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So either way, um, Delta Green was Incredible. I mean, Dots, do you want to give us your, uh, your, your experience with the first time as a GM? Yes. So this is my first time as a GM. I've been dying to talk about this with people that are interested <laughs> all week. My friends and coworkers at work, yep. they try, but they just, it's not there for them. But if you're into an RPG, I really, really recommend this game. Um, I got into it when um, RZ was expressing interest in trying a new gaming system. I think he his his main campaign for D and D is sort of in the end game right now. So mm-hmm. um, I've uh, spent a bit of time researching. I, I also surveyed his his uh, friends who are playing in his campaign and and discovered Delta Green that way. Spent quite a bit of time reading about it. Got super interested in it because it is it is quite different than D and D. It's not a D twenty system. It's a D one hundred system. Yep. Um, and it could be based on today's world. Um, it could be based on any time from the 1920s up to current present day, which makes it really fun. Um, As RZ had mentioned before, when your character is getting ready to do things, you perceive everything as a human. You don't always have to to check or roll for every little thing. The the game moves a lot faster. Um, As a first time as a game master or in this game called a, a handler, I was really nervous going in because I think a lot of you know, everybody who plays uh, oh. RPGs are like a lot more experienced. You all have been playing for quite a long time. But yeah. even if, I mean, I've been playing for years and if this would have been theoretically my first time GMing as well, right. I would have been nervous as hell. Yeah. Like butterflies and everything. Yeah. So I spent like a lot of time this week uh, between work, just reading the, the quick start guide, trying to commit as many of the rules to memory. Yep. Um, the, the really great thing is, and this is something that RZ had mentioned, who has a lot of game master experience is just, you know, the great thing is nobody at the table really knows what's like, you know, yeah. what's part of the story, what's not. And ultimately the handler has the final word. And um, but everybody was really helpful, too, in instances where we weren't sure of the rules. You know, everybody kind of pitched in together and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, we took a few minutes to look things up. But yeah. what I really, yeah, what I love about the game is, mm-hmm. is the, as you mentioned, like all the sanity checks you have to do, they awesome. try to make it as realistic as possible. So, awesome. you know, if you're um, <clears throat> facing a, an instance where you're about to inflict violence on an innocent person, realistically, in your day-to-day life, if you're a good person and you're of integrity and you accidentally shoot somebody, that's going to mess you up mentally. Yep. You could develop disorders, you know, you could develop, um, you know, a lot of a lot of different things you can go temporarily insane from things like this where you just go into shock and you shut down so the game's really realistic which i like yeah, yeah i had an absolute blast playing it i cannot yeah. wait to play it again yeah. i played a character that uh before i even started playing had gone through an incredibly traumatic supernatural uh, instance yeah 
and his sanity was already half fucked up to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And then I didn't help with my ridiculous rolling, so I ended up hitting his breaking point and giving him a disorder as well. That yeah, have we fun. decided what kind of disorder you're going to get? Uh, we, we said paranoia. Oh, yeah, that's paranoia, right. He's going to have a cute paranoia. Um, so, yeah, well, you and I have to have to talk a little bit more about how that's going to play out. So oh, yeah. Between scenarios, there are these things called home scenes where you talk about <laughs> basically what happens in the player's life at home. So if they go on a mission for three days, you know, they're part of Delta Green. They're part of the secret organization, but they have a regular life. They have bonds that are family, children. Mm-hmm. They have they could have regular jobs. They could be computer scientists like RZ's character. Uh, they could be a physician. So what do you, you know, if you're about to go on this mission, like what do you tell your job? What happens if you get fired? Like these are all you know, parts of the game that we haven't explored this first session, but we will for and sure. I think one, one of the, the best things about the both the bond and the sanity system mm. is that it implicitly forces you to have connections to the world. So you don't get the D uh, the DND standard, I am an orphan, I'm connected to no one, I yeah. don't care about anything. <laughs> like you, you yeah, I'm on a revenge mission. <laughs> yeah, you can't murder hobo in this game yes. without dire consequences. Yeah. Um, and whereas I think it helps to keep everybody engaged and interconnected because everybody is vulnerable. Yeah. Um, You're whereas, human. You are literally yeah. human. But it's it's a different yeah. kind of game. Or yeah. D is for high fantasy empowerment craziness and those kind of shenanigans this is a very slow pace like you are fragile in this world dealing with things uh that those little pistols in your hands are probably going to be widely insufficient for um and there's gonna be a lot of very fun morally great choices um (laughs) something else i love about the game is that if you're particularly skilled enough to recognize something that can make you that much more vulnerable because you know enough to know how (laughs) fucked up something is and you actually end up taking more damage (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yep, I found myself in that situation. Yep. But yeah, it's uh oh god. Either way, if you guys ever get a chance, you need to play Delta Green. It was incredible. By Arc Dream Publishing. Yes. I will mention they they put so much love into the game, into the agent's handbook. Um, if we continue doing this, I might get myself the the handler's handbook. Um, the quick start guide which is what we were using yesterday, <laughs> along with the first the scenario, last things last, and pre-made character sheets are all on the Delta Green website for free. You don't need to buy anything for it. If you just want to try it out and explore it, you can get it for free on their website. I highly recommend it. Yep. It's an amazing game. Uh, they also have a Kickstarter on right now for The oh. Labyrinth, which is an expansion book they're having to actually... So the game is, re- even though you could play it from the 20s up until modern day, yep. it's really designed for like 70s to 90s, like that kind of corridor. Gotcha. Whereas The Labyrinth, it's a lot of... Um, What's like what's the word? Groups and characters and threats, very specifically for the modern age. Gotcha. Uh, so there's a Kickstarter on a Kickstarter on Kickstarter on for that right now. <laughs> Kickstarter. Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, that's and a- we started a new porn site. Fantastic. Oh, oh great. <laughs> Kickstarter.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, Dots, have you been playing anything recently? Uh, yep, the um, one game I've been playing is Octopath Traveler. Nice! It's excellent. I started playing it a little bit last week, but as you're aware, I spent most of my free time uh, getting ready for Delta Green. Of course. I put in a couple more hours uh, this morning. Nice. Hung over in bed while you two <laughs> scamps have been sleeping. Um, 
But yeah, no, it's uh, so far it's an excellent game. Um, I don't know how much I should talk about it because I don't want to spoil the game for anybody. Well, okay, so you're enjoying it so far, right? I'm enjoying it so far. There are some things that I'm noticing that I'm not a super big fan of, but I'm really in the early stages of the of the gameplay, so I don't I don't know if it's gonna really affect things hmm. um is this like story elements gameplay elements it's, it's the i love the i love the gameplay i love the art i love like mm-hmm. everything the music the the voice acting it's it's um it's uh gameplay uh, story elements yes story elements is what i'm having a hard time with um it yeah. seems to be the way that everybody is going with this game i do want to give it a fair shot i yeah. own it i haven't started it yet I've yeah been planning on playing it for like a week now yeah but there's something about the story i've heard that it feels almost too disconnected from all the characters you can potentially have. And it kind of ruins the immersion of the game as it moves forward. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I really don't want to spoil I don't want to spoil it. I mean, it, if you maybe cover your ears. No, I, I, that's, uh, okay. like, that's not. Let's okay, just, so okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, want to okay. spoil it. No spoilers, no spoilers. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, a, I, I haven't played like an RPG like uh, like a, an, an online RPG in a really long time with the exception of Zelda. I used to play games like Baldur's Gate when yeah. I was younger. Um, so I'm kind, that's kind of like my um, my benchmark, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, like I'm still again in the early stages of the game. I'm really enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some areas where I'm just kind of feeling a little bit suspect. Like is it like too linear? Mm-hmm. Is that what's coming across? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's an RPG. They, yeah, I mean, it's par for the course. Like exactly. You know, I mean, like, in some RPGs, like, well, we look at Baldur's Gate or we look at, like, Zelda Breath of the Wild is a perfect example of that. I wouldn't consider Zelda an RPG. You wouldn't? No, I wouldn't say so. I, if anything, we could say Fallout, even the older Fallouts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they were the perfect example of an RPG being done, but having a, or being done well, but having an open world. But that's typically the divide between the American RPG and the Japanese, Japanese. RPG, where yeah. Japanese are... This is, like, you could level up. There may be even an overworld. We may even let you choose between a couple different decisions. Yeah. But it is a fairly straight, albeit j- disjointed line to get to the finish. Yeah. While Americans have the character customization, the mm-hmm. like the ov- uh, like larger overworlds. Like, that's where you get your Bethesda territories, like your Skyrims and your Why Fallouts. wouldn't you guys consider Zelda Breath of the Wild to be an RPG? Because I feel like it has all of the same elements it doesn't it doesn't like there's no breath of the wild was the first time we actually even saw stats come into weapons yeah and like beyond that link has no stats it comes down to like maybe some of the armor that he's wearing yeah Yeah. okay right there's like the food to bring his health back up which was the first as well but whenever i see zelda it's always been a action adventure game yeah this is the closest it's become to an rpg like it's definitely adopted some rpg elements but i would say it's still still uh, not there an action game first interesting yeah okay actions puzzles all that kind of stuff it's been very gameplay heavy first and story always normally takes a bit of a backseat to that with zelda games where in general rpgs especially from japan it's yeah, we'll add, like, a cool battle element into this, you know, gameplay. We'll make it interesting, but, like, you're in this game for the story. Cool. You're yeah. in this okay. game for the uh, the narrative. Yeah, how else are you going to find out what happened in your amnesia? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. No, that, 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 I, that I think clarifies. Also, big hair is very important. Oh, of course. Yes. Big hair and bigger swords. Yes. <laughs> and bigger... <laughs> 
Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, so dots, is that all you've been playing recently? Yeah, that I well I also uh, like if before starting Octopath Traveler, I officially finished Breath of the Wild nice. on Monday after months of putting it off from studying because I was afraid that I would I would get addicted because mm-hmm. I have that kind of personality. Um, so yeah, I, I played the <laughs> final battle. Um, you know, got it done. There's still tons of stuff that I haven't explored in the world, and I know I'm going to get back to it. Yeah, well, even all, um, all the DLC and stuff. Yeah, all I got, the DLC. Like long after yeah. you stop playing that game. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but, um, I, you know, RZ and I were on the couch and I was playing, and I think we we were full on arguing, and I I may have said some things to him. <laughs> um, so once again, I'm sorry for the things I said while destroying Ganon. That's okay. <laughs> the thing. The things I was saying is because you weren't listening to the things I was saying. I was listening. You weren't helpful. Let's not do this again. All right. It's my turn. <laughs> Finally, you fuckers. Uh, <laughs> hey, you were at Delta Green, too. I was at Delta Green, too. That's fair. Yeah. But I do have two games I want to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, I talked about Golf Story, I think, maybe about a month or two ago. So, finally, really, really got heavy into it. Uh, I am maybe about six to eight hours into the game been playing it it's good to play you know in bite-sized chunks Mm -hmm. just because the way the story is set up and again it's golf at its core but it's funny it has good dialogue it's very tongue-in-cheek they might go a little too heavy into the um the goofiness yeah at times but it's a nice light-hearted story the gameplay is near perfect you know although it is very simplistic but it's not necessarily a bad thing yeah They've added enough elements into the game for the type of equipment you can have and uh, the type of boss battles you'll have. Everything, every little piece of this game was, in my opinion at least, really truly thought out. And that's what I think a lot of people uh, really liked about this game and why it's been at such a high level for one of the more recent indie games. Yeah. So I say if you guys uh, if you guys have been thinking about it, you're on the fence, definitely go for it. I am having an absolute blast. I don't want to ruin anything for you. Go in, experience it, go for whatever you got to go for. Right on. Yeah. And the second one is uh, Toad Treasure Tracker. <laughs> because, God damn it, Rusty got me on this one, and I have some mixed opinions on it. Does the song ever change? I feel like every single time you're playing it, it's that same theme over and over again. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's been the same theme for most of it. That's kind of been one of my problems, is that, like, as much as I want to like this game, yeah, you can tell that it was just kind of slapped together. Yeah, a lot of the challenge comes from the extra challenges and levels, like finding gems and completing an unknown um, side mission or little you know scenario within yeah. the levels that you won't know until you beat it the first time, and then it pops up. And if you did it, great. And if you didn't, you got to jump back into the level and do it again. Well, oh, that's and frustrating. It's just not interesting enough to go in and play every level twice. Yeah. And then there's a third time you got to go play the level if you really want 100% it mm-hmm. to go in and find a pixel toad that's hidden somewhere in the level. So this is more just a uh, hide and seek, search and destroy type thing. And it's not just, there the first time you go? No, you have to beat the level first to activate it to jump in okay. for that second or third time. And that's where my problem lies with this game is yeah. that... It's already repetitive in and of itself. It's forced repetition. And now it's forced repetition on top of that. It's yeah. just, I want to like this game. It plays well, handles well. It, it, it's it's a wicked concept. 
I just feel like they didn't do it well enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I get that a lot of people probably love this game, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm like shitting on your parade here, but I just I can't I can't I I may have played an hour and a half two hours, and I'm already thinking about stopping. Yeah. So yeah, not the biggest fan, but I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are you guys uh, good? You got anything else you want to talk about? I think I'm good. Can I be dismissed? No. <gasps> <laughs> Actually, I'm kidding. We're gonna we're gonna go for a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we are gonna have another special guest on to talk about free DLC in the industry. Yep. We'll see you guys in a bit. Bye. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that song that we play on literally every episode. <laughs> yes. I never get old. It never gets old for me. Yeah, 100%. There is one thing I f- completely forgot to mention before we jump into the main topic, and I wanted to talk about this very briefly. Oh, great. I was uh, at EV Games recently, and I mean, if you've been listening to the show, you know our general opinions on EV Games. <laughs> R.I.P. Polly. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, anyway, so I was uh, there... At EB Games, just buying a couple games. I got Octopath and uh, Toad Treasure Tracker. And there was two employees there. I was just talking with them, shooting the shit. They're really nice people. Ended up uh, getting one of their, like, scratch cards when you buy a game or two. Oh, yes. They brought those back? Oh, yeah. I ripped it open, and I ended up winning Destiny 2 for PS4. Just randomly. So, yeah, we're going to be posting this uh, audio version of the podcast to uh, YouTube. I'll just probably have a still image, but I do want to show you the selfie I took with them. They were awesome. Completely not typical EB Games fucking neckbeard employees. Wow. <laughs> they were awesome. Sat there and talked with them for a little bit. Really cool people. And uh, yeah, so they're not all bad. <laughs> That's moral of the story. Thank yeah. you for that wonderful anecdote. No problem. Yes. I do it again. And as you guys can see, we're joined by uh, Mr. Fabulous Fab. I'm here. Sorry. S- second time on Sorry, the podcast. Everybody. Run late, but it's all good. Yeah. We're all here now. Let's plow in. All right. That's so what I always say. <laughs> uh, so, with recent news in the industry, No Man's Sky, because I had no idea that was even still a thing, mm. is releasing, as far as I can tell, a 2.0 or a 3.0 update. Too little, too late, question mark? Potentially, yes, but maybe not. And yeah. that's kind of the issue, right? There's There's been a lot of this happening where, you know, people are fixing their games years later. We have... Yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen, as an example, mm-hmm. right? We see free DLC happening all the time with games like The Witcher 3 and uh, Kirby All-Star, whatever the hell that goddamn name is called. Kirby, everybody at it's, once, all the yeah. time. Exactly, that one. <laughs> Kirby, multiple characters on screen. Why? Just deal with it. <laughs> Kirby, finally be a DD or a, a Waddle D. <laughs> and yeah, so it, it just kind of got me thinking about like, is, is this the way the industry is going to go? Right? Is this going to be something that is going to be a staple, or is this going to be something that, you know, we're going to look back on in five years and say, oh, that was cool back then? Well, I think you know? I think you got to make a, a differentiation between fixing a game through a later patch and a revision mm-hmm. versus planned DLC rollouts. Like, I think there's a big yeah. difference from what you're describing with No Man's Sky in, let's say, Splatoon. 
2, which has had the constant rollout of more gears and more levels and so on, which yeah. is more typical of even like subscription-based games, like something like a, a Fortnite that's constantly renovating the game, which is almost something in between those two things, where it's mm. because it's a semi-subscription model or like I guess the free-to-play is... Uh, the, yeah. the way through it, like, because there's the constant mm-hmm. revenue stream, they can continually innovate the game and improve it. So it's almost like that happened all of the above. Not only was it planned, but then there was the fixing it, because Fortnite kind of sucked initially, and now it's the uh, biggest game in the world. Well, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't even say it sucked. They had a really good engine. They had a really good, I mean, by all means, they had a good game. It's just they didn't, it didn't really find, the game kind of found itself of what it could be along the lines of along the way of them testing out like try this stupid mode for a weekend try this stupid mode for a weekend and one of them works and then the game kind of like it's weird saying it but the game kind of tells the developers like what it wants to be because the success kind of follows it yeah i meant sucked like in terms of reception yeah yeah. it wasn't like going anywhere not that the game was inherently bad from the start but it didn't really hit its stride until they hit the right number of revisions this is kind of feeding into my point where i mean at the end of the day there are two completely different applications of the same idea but it is the same idea it's updates to a game yeah it's patches and different versions of the game being sent out to all of its players that is changing the game in and of itself whether it's something huge like what no man's sky is doing and what final fantasy 14 did or something along the lines of free dlc like the witcher 3 or whatever it is right so in my opinion i i really do enjoy this it it makes it so that if something bad does come out we're not just going to see that game and go okay well that game was shit Right, wow. I mean, in a sense, right? Final Fantasy fourteen still has players going now because of the two point oh, where that yeah. game would have been dead in the water if this was back in the old days. Yeah. So I, I personally really do think this is going to be something that sticks. This is going to be a piece of the industry that is, uh, it's going to be a staple from this point forward until yeah. we, you know, get attacked by Skynet and we lose all yeah. fucking capabilities. Well, who's saying it wouldn't? Like this has been going on as long as there's been online consoles like there's always been patches even for pcs yeah but like let's say you know as early like even let's talk about like the xbox 360 like ps uh ps3 era ps3 like era where you would have you know day one dlc and day one patches like i think there's there's multiple things to talk about for one as as long as there's a financial incentive to update your game and you think you can get the player base to either continue or come back people are going to continue making updates, and now all systems are logged on to the internet at pretty much all times, so the infrastructure's there for that. Uh, And then on the other side, there's the online-only games that have to constantly refresh and have new content to keep people interested. That's not going anywhere, so I'd like to know... Who like who it is that might think this is a fad? Then otherwise, like otherwise, it's just the way the games are done now. Uh, well, that's a fair point. I mean, especially for online games, that's going to be something that is always going to be pushed through. I think it's more just the fact of it being free, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's paid DLC, and we know that's going to stick, and that's just yeah. kind of the way it is. But with The Witcher Three, like that is a a very heavily or uh, narrative oriented game. Yeah, very story heavy. And still, from the get-go, they had a full, what was it, like, half a year plan, full year plan of releasing free DLC for this game to give you more stories, more missions, maybe a new area of the game. I mean, I actually didn't play The Witcher 3, so don't go. (laughs) Well, there's only only a few kind of developers left to actually even do that anymore. Like, Monster Hunter World and and The Witcher are, like, almost the only ones I can think of that'll continue doing free dlc because at that point they're, they're they're like as a company standpoint they're buying goodwill from the players right like yeah. you're buying goodwill towards the next thing you make or you're investing in the the franchise in itself but like yeah even right now if you look at 
uh, Capcom and Monster Hunter World, they've had all free DLC. That's just the staple they've done every series they've done in Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. And their initial sales were crazy. It was the best selling game Capcom ever made. Yeah. And now Capcom's stro- uh, stock is plummeting because the sales of Monster Hunter World are not continuing and they have no paid content to continue the revenue stream. <laughs> yeah. So their most successful game they've ever made is now they're causing their stocks to drop afterwards because they didn't go towards a, a, a paid DLC or towards a yeah. kind of cosmetic like payment service to actually continue to re- continue revenue. Yeah, let's say that. Like I'll say like CD Projekt Red has also been known to kind of overextend itself in that regard. Yep. And I would say that is going to continue becoming rarer and rarer because it's not in the best interests of the company to do yeah. that. Like they're putting themselves largely at a competitive disadvantage in the market. Um, whereas... Uh, to Fab's point, they are buying goodwill, yeah. and we as consumers absolutely love getting all that content. But mm. like, I would say stuff like like Witcher Three is undervalued, like or like undercosted well, no in the question. market versus what they could be getting for it. Yeah. And free market such as it is, it's only a matter of time before that uh, that deal just becomes oh yeah too enticing. Well, this is the thing. So I know there's a um, a game of the year edition now for Witcher Three. Yeah. Was there any paid DLC that came with that game or that was out for that game? And that's the real piece, right? Because if there wasn't, that kind of... No, there was. There was. There was one. There was There was one full expansion that they released after the fact. But, I mean, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. If you look at games like, um, like Fortnite, like Overwatch in a sense, where they offer certain things that you can pay for microtransaction-wise, mm-hmm. but... It's mostly aesthetic stuff, if not almost completely aesthetic stuff. But yeah. even then, people are getting to like now. People are looking at the the whole ethical side of it as like, well, mm-hmm. are the it's the people buying this like yeah. able to afford the, to spend as much money on it? It's, that's the that's getting into like people starting to merge the the full package game with the free to play kind of cosmetic uh, uh, like payment kind of structure yeah so there are a lot of people are trying to cross both and, and kind of dipping into both where they'll release a game for 40 or 60 or whatever and then there will be the cosmetics or order on top of it that you can invest as much money as you want to basically <laughs> you invest yeah. into it with well it's crazy because i mean overwatch is almost the perfect example of that type of thing being done in a way that didn't piss people off yeah because you paid what forty dollars for that game yeah out of the gate People still complained about it at the beginning. There's still a lot of people who said like forty dollars for a multiplayer only game is too much and this is awful and blah blah blah. And now it's one of the most played and highly regarded always online games out right now yeah, outside yeah. of maybe like World of Warcraft. And go figured, go figure. It's Blizzard that's doing it. Yeah. Right. Well, like it's they just know what they're doing and they know how to squeeze money out of people but anyways it's sorry they're the, well, yeah. the fullest the evil point. geniuses yeah. we have all right? yes. <laughs> yeah blizzard got complaints for world of warcraft when starcraft 2 didn't come out 20 years ago yeah. whatever the hell that was and uh i think i think it's safe to say they knew better than the fan base <laughs> yeah there's there's absolutely no question with that but i i mean so you guys are actually bringing up some fair points i mean at the end of the day for online games it's seeming like this is going to be a staple and it always will be yeah. and there's going to be new stuff especially for the free-to-play type stuff but mm. 
Well, it also is, it also allows companies to be more like it allows developers to be more stable because like if you look at regular businesses, they have revenue streams. Yes, and and, and yes. game development always had this weird kind of yeah. environment where you would basically front load all of your effort and work and then yeah. release and then either crash and burn your company goes under, <laughs> or you'd have enough to hopefully do try and do that again. At which any point you could do you could crash and burn again. And then yeah. in this modern era, the expectation that you're going to continue to run servers, yeah. you're going to continue to provide patches, you're going to continue to Take your resources and put them against people that have already sunk their money into the game with no in, um, additional revenue coming in. Yep. And having those paid cosmetic stuff may continue to have a revenue stream so you can justify doing more updates and continue yep. to support the game. Um, and that, I think that's going to become just more and more the model because it just makes more sense in terms of... Like it just makes more business sense. Uh, whereas yep. like like something like Fortnite is the perfect example of that... Um, coming together where you have a game that costs nothing. So you've completely taken the old model and thrown it under the bus. Yeah. And now it's this new model where, yeah, you can pay if you want to. You don't have to. There's no pay to win. There's no loot boxes. Like there's nothing that <laughs> oh, God, the usual boxes. complaints <laughs> can apply to. And so they, by and large, get a free pass despite having a paid stuff. Like our, yeah. uh, despite having a pay, like a continual payment system set up. Well, okay, so this is going to lead into uh, another point. Do you think that the online games like Fortnite, like Overwatch, you think they're going to overtake the industry at this point? Or do you think we're going to start seeing less narrative-style games, less old-school-style games, stuff that is, you know, has a starting, has an end, and that's it? Do you think people are going to start going towards these uh, games that will have continuous uh, revenue streams coming towards them instead, mm -hmm. and we're going to see the death of the video games that we grew up with? Yeah. Uh, I think what's happening is I think all of that is shifting to the indie developers. Fair. I think AAA is starting to kind of flounder in terms of this release cycle and all the stuff they're trying to do to package these games because mm -hmm. they're seeing obviously way more success in these other business models oh, yeah. of being have the resources, having the people to keep everything online, keep everything updated, keep everything, all this new content for these millions of players. And the indies are really kind of taking the old style of games of the package of 20 or whatever yeah. and like trying to make uh, uh, like a concentrated compact experience of, of a game you can play yeah. you can do you're not going to spend two you're not gonna spend two thousand hours on a shovel night on a, on a, on a <laughs> shadow night yeah. or something but you're gonna yeah. play it for whatever it is you're gonna enjoy it. it's gonna be very memorable and yeah. and if the developer ever comes to something else you'll probably look to buy that too so oh, i think yeah. i think there's been a big divide over what makes more sense for what size company now yeah, yeah, and that that's that's actually a good point. I I completely agree with that. I I love the indie scene right now, and a lot of the um the major AAA companies out there are eating up these companies, and or trying to get publishing rights so they can make a little bit of that uh, the money off of it too. Mm -hmm. There's a game that I bought recently that I haven't tried yet, but it looks amazing called uh, Forgotten End. Yeah, and it's this beautifully hand drawn. 2D art side-scrolling puzzle game that looks very much like the uh, Studio Ghibli style. Yeah. And as soon, I, I can only assume that as soon as somebody saw it at Square Enix, they bought it right away and said, okay, well, we're going to get the publishing rights. We'll yeah. get the game out to everybody that we need to get it out to. We'll take care of the localization, the translations, everything like that. You guys just make the game and we'll take care of the rest. And it's kind of funny how that works out in a sense because we're talking about how all these major companies are going to start pushing towards the online, and we've seen it a million times, but they're also trying to take another piece of the pie from the other side. 
Well, yeah, they're they're going to move to whatever's the most profitable, and yeah. they're going to go to whatever the best opportunity is. And uh, like I I agree that the probably that single player old school game market is shrinking, but it is yeah, it's basically being handed over to the indie devs because the indie devs are willing to put in the time and effort into that <laughs> and take whereas, the risk basically. Yes, yeah. whereas the majors are going to be crushed under their own weight if yeah. they don't have that continued revenue stream uh, continued revenue stream coming in. Yeah. Like let's say EA survived on the fact that people needed to buy those sports games every single year. <laughs> yeah, like you can't do. you can't exist as a company of that magnitude unless you have a steady revenue stream coming in. It's just too damn risky. Yeah. Um whereas they'll still want a little piece of that market share. Just like, let's yeah. talk about like beer right now. Craft beer is ascendant right now in yeah. a huge way. Your big guys are watching the market share go away. Yeah. And this is where something like Coors Banquet come in, where they'll create yeah. this little thing. <laughs> or Miller High Life comes back. Yes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Trying to market to the the beer hipster crowd and have that kind of thing. So that's why yeah. you'll see games like that. Or what would you call like a reverse N or what, oh, a forgotten end. Forgotten end. Yeah, you those will continue to come out, and there's still developers that are creating the old school kinds of games. But you'll probably, as time goes, that'll shrink, and I think we'll reach a plateauing area. But yeah. like, if you're a company and you see the idea of not only do I just have to worry about is this game gonna sink or swim in the original days? If yeah. IGN pans it, that's a death knell, and now everybody's getting <laughs> fired. <laughs> Or it's IGN pans it, and six months later you come out with a different version, and then yeah. it almost has to be re-reviewed at that point in time. Oh, and they Whereas in the past, where games were almost effectively static, like a patch was a huge friggin' deal in yeah. the PC yeah. era, or it's an really, expansion. This is a whole new out. CD or something, yeah. It was yeah, expansion. Yep. Yeah, because we didn't have that ability, but now with like day one patches and the games are more um, like a continuous stream rather than just a single firm product. That's uh, like they're so mutable now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, why wouldn't you do that if you have the if you have the finances to do it? Whereas the indies typically wouldn't. <laughs> they won't. If it's a team of like three guys, I don't think you're gonna have a time. You're gonna have the time to just like consistently update and change the game constantly. Or it depends on the nature of the game, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. It depends on almost all the situations of the DLC. I feel like depends on when someone's be, like ready to pull the plug or like. As long as someone still has the conviction to believe, like, okay, this at its core is yeah. good, we just have to find the right way to get it out there, the yeah. right, right way to get it in people's yeah. hands or the right modes to put in there that it, it catches on. If people want yeah. something, somebody is going to make that thing that people want. Oh, there's no question. And if, if the market uh, exists, right? Yeah, if the AAAs don't find it, then it'll pop up on Kickstarter and make a killing. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, go figure. And that's, that's a completely different issue altogether. But I, I see where you guys are coming from. And it's just... It, uh, I still wonder if this is still going to be something that sticks around for anything that's outside of the online. You know what I mean? Just as more of, I guess, of a, a, a conclusion more than anything else. And I, I do want to apologize in advance to our listeners. This is going to be a bit of a shorter episode. We're on a bit of a time constraint <laughs> over here. But just in my own, you know, little conclu concluding notes, I'm still on the fence about it. Yeah. I know for sure games like Overwatch and um, Fortnite and stuff like that, for sure. There's no question, as long as those games exist, there's going to be free DLC coming towards yep. them for sure. Whether or not we're going to see it happening for games like Kirby again, which I know actually pissed off a lot of fans and mm -hmm. pissed me off as well, right? In the way that they did it because the game was very short. And then they started releasing little add-ons here and there that just made me not care anyways. Because I'd already mm -hmm. beaten the game in and of itself to go back and play it as a different playable character... I stopped caring. But yeah. if that had been there on day one, that would have been, you know, something great for me and I would have played it probably exponentially longer. 
But on the flip side, you look at games like, again, The Witcher 3, which I haven't played, but as far as I've heard from a lot of people I know that have, it was one of the best parts about it was getting all yeah. that free DLC, getting back to it, going into that overexpanding world. It was uh, it, it was incredible as far as I've heard. So who knows what's going to happen? I, I'm going to lean on the side of this becoming a staple. Yeah. But I'm still going to remain slightly agnostic to it. Yeah. Well, one of the bigger ones I can think of coming up is is the Destiny 2 expansion that's coming oh, out. Okay. It's ba- they're basically going like full like StarCraft Brood War like full expansion like new game on it. Okay. Yeah. Like they're they've been basically using this past whole year or whatever years of the release as like to, like a feedback group kind of listen to all the players and then just, yeah. just overhaul everything which is happening a lot it happens with yeah. same thing happened with Final Fantasy and everything so oh yeah I mean and the success of that's probably gonna like at least hint towards what people are gonna want to do in the future because I mean Bungie's not a s- small fish anymore now with all the Destiny stuff despite no. all they're probably up there with partner with Blizzard and everything and, and Activision now and everything so yep it's it's just crazy I mean and for the sake of Destiny 2 I can't believe they somehow fucked up twice and had to do this exact thing that we're talking about twice. It's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And it makes it seem that like in this era of this, you know, free DLC, you can just do shit haphazardly and do whatever the fuck you want. Yes, and that's know? the major counter argument why a lot of people get offended when they see like a day one patch or something like that. Yeah. That it unfortunately also facilitates when something's being rushed through the market. It makes it, it makes that more possible, yes. and it makes developers less likely to delay a game by six months or a year, um, you know, to make it a better product when they know they could just push it out, yeah. get the sales when they needed the sales to be because they have their sales plan and they can't lose market share. Yeah. And all the people in the boardrooms are going to get pissed off if anything gets delayed. <laughs> Throw some layoffs out there to make the bottom line a little yeah. bit bumped up towards where it needs to be. Um, we read about that all the time. And then you hand off DLC to another company, yeah. to, to a contract company. It's crazy. <laughs> so I, sorry again to, uh, to cut things off short here, but do you guys have any final uh, final thoughts? I say it's been here as long as it's been able to. I don't see it going anywhere, but you'll see uh, companies doing what's right for them and what's right for or what they think is right for their fan base. And I think um, I don't think we're, it's going to become universal. I don't think it's going to be going away entirely either. Yeah. Like it's more of just it is a way of doing business that some will take part in, and there are going to be some wins. There's going to be some losses. Totally fair. Veb? Uh, I just say it's it's the most important thing now is for the consumers and the gamers themselves to uh, basically support the companies that you want to see make more and support the companies that you believe will like come out with the thing you want. Even if yeah. they ca- even because now even if a company stumbles one time, you can't just you can't really a- axe them out or, or kind of cut the ties with them. I mean, if, if, oh, if yeah. they've been making games that you like for a while and something comes out and you're disappointed in it and and maybe a DLC comes out like. I don't know. It, you have to basically pick where your money goes. As, as less of a binary like one or zero, and more of a uh, do I believe they're gonna continue to produce things that are gonna be better for all of us? Yeah, that sort of deal. Yeah, it's totally fair. Yeah, buy a product. Don't buy feelings. Like don't buy. Yeah. Uh, don't buy hype. Yeah. Don't buy expectations, and don't not buy just upset. Like buy what's good and what you enjoy, yeah. and the market will react. Awesome. And in typical Game & Watch of fashion, we talked for, what, about an hour and got absolutely nowhere. Nothing done, <laughs> no. Nothing done at all. I don't know. I, I think if we kept going another hour, we might fix the entire industry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, at that well, point, agents would descend on us yes. and blow through the windows. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remained agnostic. Ryan remained, or, sorry, RZ remained agnostic. Yes. And Fab is pedaling for the gaming industry. I'm so. pedaling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big pedal. And, and EA is watching us from the underworld. <laughs> And on that note, guys, thank you again for listening to this episode of Game & Watch It. Uh, You can find us on YouTube, of course, which is going to be where we're going to be releasing all of our video content. And if you want to listen to us on the go, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodBay. Mind you, PodBay may be off the list. I might be blacklisting them Mm. because they already blacklisted us. Ouch. I, I looked a couple of days ago and we weren't there, but it might pop up again. Pod I've never even heard of that place, it's, honestly, until we started recording. <laughs> I know it is what it is. Actually, I started. I listened to a few podcasts on that like way back in the day. But yeah. anyways, totally beyond your right wing gaming views are disgusting. Yeah. Frankly, it's, they don't have that filth on their channel. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, guys, thank you again for listening. And uh, RC, um, yeah, here's back on our next free DLC, which is our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll just continue running that model until it doesn't work for us anymore. (laughs) And I think I'll call that scene.